Welcome to Chinuch 2.0, a show about the massive changes happening to how we do Chinuch, some of which may never be the same again. of Chinuch do you think is most critical in a child's development? The answer, of course, is Kriya. Being able to read properly is the foundation upon which everything else in Chinuch is built upon. They say that Rav Chaim Soloveitchik, who was a tremendous gain and leader, would stand up when his Kriya Rebbe walked into the room. Even though he was a big guy and he was a much bigger Tamachacham than his Kriya Rebbe, he said that if not for this man, everything that I learned afterwards, I wouldn't have had. Everything that I learned afterwards, I could say, okay, I could teach myself. But the, the Aleph Beis, the Kriya, only came from him. Everything that I have is based on what he taught me. Unfortunately, there are far too many kids that fail to grasp the fundamentals of proper reading. As we'll hear in this episode, there are many adults who have a dirty secret. They don't know how to read. There are people whose parents are nifter and they're embarrassed to say Kaddish or be the chazan in their schos. And then you have the Brahmitsa boys who are afraid to lane, people afraid of getting an aliyah. But the biggest issue of someone who doesn't know how to read is that they never end up learning how to learn. It's true that the smart ones can compensate and do a great job of fooling their parents, fooling their teachers, even fooling their friends. But any smart educator is able to grasp that these kids really don't know how to read, and it shows up in the way that they don't understand the material that's being taught fully. The schools, who are overburdened as they are with large classes and not enough staff, they can't possibly deal with each child that has a CREA deficiency. So what do they do? They turn to the parents and they say, your child doesn't know how to read. Now it's your responsibility. So that forces the parents who are already paying tuition to have to pay thousands of dollars extra in tutors to help teach their kids proper Kriya. And even then, after the parents spend all that money, the results are not so great. I know people who have tried every single method out there from all these Kriya specialists using this method or that approach and at the end of the day, their child still doesn't read properly. So I have to thank Mrs. Yocheved Belsky of Clear Square Group. She was a previous guest on this show, and she introduced me to Mrs. Tova Rottenberg of Cleveland and her brother Shmuel Barkin, who together have developed what's called the Aleph Bay's System for Learning Kriya. It's a comprehensive system for teachers and children to learn and master the fundamentals of Kriya. So I was very excited about their system is be- because they are working towards a goal of a software-based application for teaching Kriya to kids. Now, everyone knows today's kids are naturally tech-savvy, and they respond well to computer instruction, especially for a repetitive type of learning such as Kriya. I have no doubt that in a few years, a software-based Kriya system is going to become the standard. So that's why I wanted to reach out to Tova and Shmuel to hear more about what they're working on. I'm reaching out to my audience with a request that if you are in any position to help them achieve their dream faster, to reach out and offer your assistance, whether it's in software development, seed investing, or marketing, please offer to help so that they could get to a working prototype faster. Every child that can learn how to read properly is literally Hatzalas Nefashas. This is as worthy of a cause as it gets. So even though this interview ran very long, it's over an hour, we covered a lot of ground. And I want you to try to listen all the way till the end where Tova shares a horrifying story about someone who never learned how to read properly and how embarrassed they were. Without any further ado, let's go to our interview. So we're speaking with Mrs. Tova Rottenberg and Mr. Shmuel Barkin, 
who together run Aleph Bays, which is an educational program right now focusing on Kriya to help children learn how to do Kriya. Welcome, Tova and Shmuel. Hello. Hi. Okay, so, so as before we begin, we want to talk about the importance. It's obviously very important that children learn how to do Kriya properly at the young age, so that they're able to learn. So what can you say about the difference between a child that gets Kriya well and the child that doesn't get Kriya well? How will it affect them throughout their whole educational experience and throughout their life? Okay, well, that's the million-dollar question. So a Kriya is a fundamental skill. It's not only... It's, it's not only for the classroom, it's something, a skill that's going to help them for life. It has also a very strong impact on their self-esteem. Um, I want to give an, an example of, let's say, my, for example, my son who's in first grade, when on Rosh Hashanah, I said, told him, you can ask Hashem for anything. And he closed his eyes and he thought about it and said, please Hashem, help me read. Wow. That's on the first grade level. So here's a kid who doesn't feel comfortable in the classroom because he can't read, he can read, but not as fluently as everyone else. But as far as somebody who not only creates materials and works with teachers, but I work with students of all ages, including like up to the age of like people who could old enough to be my grandfather. Um, and I see the impact that they has on their self-esteem as they get older. I worked at the Yeshiva Rachim. I worked with somebody who was going to get married, wasn't able to read. And the mother said, my son can't make Kiddush or Havdalah. Please teach him how to read. So I see the impact, what it has, not only in the classroom, but way beyond the, first, the kindergarten and first grade where they're learning and mastering Griya. Mm-hmm. So when they say they don't know how to read, they literally don't know how to read. Like they can't take a a, a printed page of 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 a safer or an, or a sitter and and get through the words. That's a good question. They do know. Okay, so literally they can read, but with a lot of mistakes, and they know they're making mistakes, and they're not confident in their reading. And I see that it affects their confidence just in general. As people, this this is like their million dollar secret that no one could ever know or find out about. And when I tell them, like, I've worked with people older than you, and they learned how to read, and it's not a big deal, it's systematic, it's the easiest thing to learn how to read is Hebrew, they're like, okay, and then, like, it's, wow. Like, as I work with them, I, like, I actually watch their confidence. I watch it increase. It's just, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So what t- people t- typically, uh, maybe incorrectly, but people typically associate a Korea issue having to do with dyslexia or some other disorder like educational, uh, you know, so some sort of uh, learning dis- disability. Is that, when, when it comes to Hebrew Kriya, is that always the case? Absolutely not. Most kids that I tutor are not dyslexic. I do have one or two that are dyslexic. Um, maybe more, over the years, more than one or two, but the last, recently in the last couple of years was one or two. And it is true that kids with dyslexia need to spend more time to master Kriya, but they can master it as long as it's systematic, step-by-step, step, they can definitely master it. But most kids that I work with or most people that I work with who are older and do not have any dyslexia, it's just, and it's so fascinating, it's the letters they mix up. It's the shin and sin. It's the duggish letters. And they know they're making mistakes. They're not confident. And working with older kids and helping them read sometimes is not more than working with them for a month. It's not like I'm working with them for like a year or it's fixing the basics and then like, the, I guess I work with smarter kids who are able to fake it, and so they were able to make it through. But it's just—it's not such a big deal to learn how to read, and it's not a big deal to fix problems in reading, as opposed to English. Like, not everything is systematic. There's so many exceptions. Hebrew, everything just follows a system. Everything just makes sense, and the things that are yotzim and aklal are few, far in between, and there are so little of them. So, Hebrew is the easiest thing to learn and to master. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so this is specifically you're finding that that there's a, this specific issue when kids struggle. It's specific for Hebrew, meaning they could be do they could excel at English, and when it comes to Hebrew, they specifically have a struggle. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I also find that some of the students who, who struggle in Hebrew, um, they don't they don't besides for like what they're doing in the class, it's not really relevant. They're not they're not going to pick up a Hebrew book for enjoyment. So, like, English, you see it everywhere. It's on the cereal boxes. It's, it's everywhere. So, like, the kids end up picking up English faster, and it's much easier for them. But Hebrew is, unless you're Israeli, I find that Hebrew is not something, I find that Hebrew, unless you're Israeli, will, if you, a kid is struggling, they will not pick it up automatically. It has to be taught. It might not be a big deal to, to, to learn, 
but and it might not take a lot of time. Some kids more than others, but it's something that if it's not if it, they are not taught it, then they will not pick it up just by being in the environment. As opposed to English, there are kids who struggle with English and then they end up just like picking it up with a little, with minimal intervention or no intervention at all. Mm-hmm. So that's how you will have a lot a lot more percent of, of children struggle with Kriya outside Eretz Yisrael or in, in, in English-speaking countries than in Eretz Yisrael. Absolutely. And also it's so interesting because I'm working now with a lot of Israelis and a lot of Israelis, they could read like familiar words perfectly faster than I even could blink my eye. They've read the whole page. But when it comes to unfamiliar words, they also sometimes struggle as well because they never learned like the basics. So it's not not a given that every Israeli is going to learn, going to pick it up automatically. I'm not promising that, but it's definitely something that they're exposed to. They see and it's easier for like the average kid who's struggling to just pick it up from the environment as opposed to in English, as opposed to American kids who it's not their first language will have a harder time picking it up and need to be explicitly taught it. And we can't think, oh, they'll eventually just get it on their own. Mm-hmm. So, so talk about, tell us a little bit about what happens in school, the, the, the standard educational practice for children, the, 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 way that, the way schools teach Kriya, what happens, what, what, is the, what, what is the school's typical method, and why a lot of children fall through the cracks and they don't make it through learning how to read properly. Okay, so that's a pretty broad question because there are so many different schools with so many different attitudes and things that are important to them. But I work with a lot of schools and teachers are the most dedicated, devoted people out there in the world. So they definitely care about their kids. But if teachers are not tracking the students' progress, it is so, so easy for kids to fall through the cracks especially smart kids who can fake it till they make it like they could. So even like for me, like I taught for 13 years, I taught Korea for 13 years. I tutor, I've worked in all different career related jobs. In addition to being in the classroom, you know, out of school, Sunday school. And I have noticed that when I assess my kids every single year throughout the assessments, whether it's the Schwa assessment or it's the, you know, blending, there's always, Throughout the year, one or two kids at different points were like, oh, I didn't realize they were struggling with a skill. I thought they were just making careless mistakes. So even me, who I'm so on top of Kriya, it is so important to me. I live and breathe Kriya. And without proper assessments, even if you're so focused on Kriya, you can fall through the, tra- the, fall through the cracks. And there are very few schools that have that assess kids on a regular basis. It's the beginning of the year and it's the end of the year. The assessments are short. Like the ones that I've seen... I haven't seen them all, but from the ones that I've seen, I've seen like nationally in schools all across the country, either they're not assessing or they're assessing at the max, the beginning or end of the year. And it's just not enough. So it's not, it's not so much the system that the, the, the way they're teaching Kriya. So it's the system is also very important and we have our system. We have our method, mm-hmm. which we could discuss later, but I don't believe it's my way or the highway. So there are systems that can be very, can be more effective than they are if the teachers were tracking the students' progress, making sure they weren't missing any steps along the way. So yes, of course, I love my system. I created, I developed it, I worked on it, I tweaked it. But at the same time, there are other systems that can also work well. But it's a crucial, crucial to have, a, I feel like the most important part after the actual direct instruction is assessments because that's the way you know your kids are falling through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. the, I'll just interject here about the uh, different methods, even though I'm not really on the educational end, but just from what I understand, is that every every method works. Um, the question is how well it works, um, and Toe will correct me if I'm wrong, how well it works, and also um, what type of students will have um, trouble with picking up using that method. I mean, certain methods um, will just be easier for certain type of kids, and certain ones will be easier for different types of kids, and certain ones will be easier for a broader range of children. But with every system, there's going to be a certain amount of success. Uh, and there's and with every system, there's going to be a certain amount of students who will struggle somewhere. Is it really a matter of where they're going to struggle and how they're going to struggle? Certain systems, they might have an easier time picking up the Nakudas, but they'll struggle more with the words. Certain ones, they'll have an easier time learning certain words, but they won't actually learn the fundamentals as well. Um, and different types of students with different types of, there's all different types of brains, will pick up in different types of systems things better or worse. 
And the system is really just about is is always a balance. Um, so, but which regardless of which system you use, there's always going to be students that are going to struggle. Um, and the the key over here is ke- is catching those students which are struggling, and knowing specifically in what they're struggling. Um, and that is across all systems. I agree. I agree. And also, right, and also the question is, what degree are they struggling and how many students are struggling? So depending what system you're using, and of course, we'll get into that later, but you could have a system where just like the, you know, only reaches up to a certain level of the class, but if, it, you know, and then it stops right there. So even our system, you're still going to have kids that are going to need extra support, but how many students can need extra support minimally? So yeah, Shmuel, I, I agree with you on that. Absolutely. Do you feel the schools are giving enough time for the kids to learn Kriya properly? So the ones that I'm working with is yes. And that's why it's so sad to still see so many so many students struggling with Kriya. Um, and as far as time, I find that in kindergarten and first grade, the schools give enough time. In some schools in second grade, it's already okay, you mastered it and like goodbye. Um, so in kindergarten and first grade, I could say yes. But in second grade and beyond, I would say most schools know um, as an NO, not mm-hmm. like they know it, but most schools, they are not giving enough time. And it was so interesting because I got, we just upgraded like, uh, we just upgraded like uh, to what age we assess students because different schools wanted fourth and fifth graders to be assessed. So I did my research, I got benchmarks and I wanted to say, hey, these benchmarks, are these benchmarks like correct? Like, do they make sense? So I, I researched, I spoke to two Korea specialists in different in different states, and I took their benchmarks, and they correlated, they were the same. And I took my, my children, who are, Baruch Hashem, they're a little bit above average, and I read with them. And I found it fascinating. My son, who's in fourth grade, and my daughter in sixth grade, were making mistakes on things they already learned, because they weren't reviewed. So there's really two issues here. It's A, mastering the Korea, and two, maintaining it. Mm-hmm. So, like, second through fifth grade, I think that a teacher could spend six minutes a day in Korea in order to maintain the skills. So there's two things. There's actually acquisition, and then there's the retention throughout making sure they actually retain the skills. Right. A lot of kids read too fast, and, and they're tripping over the words because they're just not pacing themselves properly. I mean, that's just like a simple mistake. I see that all the time. My own children. But like, right. like what you're saying, is this something that maintaining that, that Kriya and making sure that, that, that they're able to develop their skills over time is something that's so important. Right. Right. Also now, kids I, wanted go backwards. Your, I wanted to read with, your, with one of your kids tomorrow, and I wanted to see how many Shva rules do they actually remember. Mm-hmm. How many Shva rules do they actually remember? They're so Once you learn them, like it's not like you learn it and now you know it for life. Right. But with a teacher spending six minutes a day on Kriya, they, could, they can maintain it for life. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just l- l- listen to anybody try to read a parak of Tehillim. It could be 30, 40, or 50. <laughs> how many mistakes they make, right? Yeah, it's, it's scary. It's, it's astounding. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I guess from both of you, l- l- let me hear, explain your system, what, what your system is right now, where it's holding, and how it works with, with the schools, on, on, you know, on the schools parts, and how, how parents and teachers could use it to teach their kids Korea. Okay, so our system is really is broken into two, well, really broken into three parts. The core of our system, the core of our curriculum is our SAFER. And that we have starting with pre-K, which is, it's color-coded this way, different because different schools start, create different grade levels. So instead of saying like first grade, second grade, or, or kindergarten, first or second grade, we call it like um, pre-K would be the purple level. Kindergarten, which is typical in most schools, started in kindergarten. That's the red level. But there are a number of schools who are using a program to start it in first grade. So we call it the red level. Orange would be first grade. Yellow would be second. And then we have um, other colors for the grades above that. But So the core of our curriculum is a safer. Then in addition to that, we have our app, which serves two functions, which is number one, assessments. Gives you access to A, the assessments, and B, the grading reporting. And so where you enter the data and the system will automatically tell you if someone is struggling either in accuracy or fluency. And if they are struggling in accuracy down to what skill is it loud shva, is it quiet shva, is it blending. So again, just to review, the basics is number one, the safer. Number two, we have our app, which number one gives you access to the assessments and the grading and reporting application. So you just enter the, the scores and it will do the work for you. And number three is 
access to our over 9,000 pages of downloadable materials. So our downloadable curriculum materials are supplementary. So like you use that in addition. Now, most schools who use our materials use both the app and the safer, but our schools just using our safer or just using the app. Supplementary materials include workbooks, Shva workbooks, application workbook, homework, activities, that kind of stuff. Okay, so so it's a full it's a full curriculum of Kriya for what ages again? It's from pre K until until what? So officially through second, but it's really until you've mastered it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and right, but again, pre K through second is for those who start. Korea in kindergarten with those who started in first grade so then it would go to third right so it's like it's, it's basically like a three-year it's meant to be taught over three years yeah, well, it's well it's yeah well sort of we have the purple level which is the is what precedes actual reading it's more like reading readiness like teaching alphabase so that's really another level uh, which is when I say start Korea I mean starting to teach reading so it's really four levels with one level before starting to teach actual reading, um, which is much more basic. And in fact, there's even stuff from more simpler that people have asked for, which we haven't got to making that. Um, like what Amora would use in, um, to teach Alphabase like initially in Playgroup. Um, so it's, it's four levels, but in the Korea itself, like you're saying, it's, it's three levels. Mm-hmm. And depending on where you start is if you which grade it goes to right if you had to explain like you if you had to like describe the core philosophy behind the 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 program is this something like a certain method that you that you use throughout that's consistent throughout and and you in in what you believe is the easiest way or the most practical way to to give over that that create curriculum absolutely so if i you say you have one sentence to explain what's unique about your program I would say is that it teaches each and every skill and doesn't assume that kids can pick up skills automatically. So certain skills are so basic that we that I've noticed, well, that's actually why I developed this program is because I found that when things are broken down to the smallest sub-level, every kid can master it. So everything is broken down to the smallest level. So just for example, take the, the example of blending. Let's say the blending would be taking a word with a os, nakuda, os, a letter, a nakuda, and a letter. So for example, the word of would be blending because you take the a and the the, the comments alf and the vase, you put it together in one syllable. So of or aim, gam, all these are blended words. So if you take, for example, like this skill, it's not just like one day we just start blending. The first day, the whole page rhymes. Then the next page, each line rhymes. The next page, each, it's the same beginning letter in Nakuda. The next page is each is the same Nakuda. So that's just one example, but it's that same kind of, of technique that I use throughout the Safer, is I don't expect any kid to be able to pick up any skill. And I find that when I break things down to the smallest sub-level, that everyone, unless a child is really learning challenged, can pick it up in the classroom without needing extra support. Now, there are there are some years we'll have a student who's really struggling, who really does need extra support to pick up Korea, and he, with this method can pick it up just with some extra support. But most kids can pick this up in the classroom. Now, you're going to always have kids that are more fluent than others because such is life. You have kids who are stronger, who are going to be stronger readers and more fluent. But every single kid can read, could use this program, can use, can read accurately confidently and the fluency will be based on their capabilities and we have programs to increase the fluency but they're always going to have a range of fluency so but but isn't this isn't like so so you're saying if if it's it's a matter of mastering every step of the kriya process which this breaks it down into 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 the tiniest of steps the way you're explaining it aren't there children that learn faster than others and this is always a problem when it's in a classroom setting. Usually you're, you're dealing, especially at a young age, you're dealing with a very, very wide range of academic capabilities. So aren't there children that are going to learn certain steps faster than others? So they're going to be much more ahead than the, than the rest of the class and, and vice versa. There's going to be children that are slower to learn and they're going to be much behind the rest of the class. That was my question when I started with this program. <laughs> so that was my question as a classroom teacher of teaching 23 kids, 21 to 23 students, I don't remember how many I had the first year, but it was a lot. And my mother, who had trained me in this, told me about the systematic step-by-step method. And I was like, but the strong kids are going to be bored. 
And then it comes a behavior issue, right? And we're not challenging them. And my mother said to me, give me one ear. Do this, follow it all the way through, and then you could switch. Okay, so that one year was astounding. It was amazing. First of all, I found that my strong kids don't mind the extra review. I mean, kids don't mind taking the easy route. So, like, they didn't mind reviewing things that they would have been easy for them. Like, so easy. And my strong kids were so strong by the end of the year. Whoa. Like, their fluency. So, like, they could have, yes, they could have been challenged. And they could have learned more skills that really wasn't age appropriate for kindergarten. But since they were so advanced, they could have learned more skills. But what they did gain instead of learning more skills is they left kindergarten being super fluent. So... Yes, there are wide ranges. And yes, when you break it down to the small sub level, naturally you can think is what I thought when I started teaching this way is like, oh, I feel so bad for the strong kids and they're going to come behavior problems. And what am I going to do? But it's, it's kind of amazing. It's kind of amazing. I'll never forget my first year teaching. Robert Dessler called me into his office and he said to me, um, he's like, you know what? I have to just share something with you. Your students are reading off the charts. And he was just amazed at how fluently the kids were reading. So Yes, I understand that concern. I myself was concerned about it. But now I have such confidence when I say those strong kids will come out stronger. And I actually videoed a couple of my kids over the end of the year, the last week of school, like my super strong kids. Like I have like on video of like these kids reading like, oh my gosh, like you'd wish that most adults could read like this. So, so, so fluent and so, so, so confident. So yes, they are not being challenged in learning more skills that are not really age appropriate. But they're getting what's more important is fluency. Like fluency is the bottom line, and we'll get the skills the next year. Yeah, it was interesting, Reverend Parnas, because one of the teachers who teaches with me, she taught for 20, over 20 years at that point when I, when I joined. And the whole year she kept telling me, Miss Sora, so this was 13 years ago, so <laughs> 2007. <laughs> and she kept saying to me, Miss Sora, you know, is for, it's not going to work nowadays. And I said to her, give me one year. Give me one year. And when she saw how well my students were reading the end of the year, I never boasted. I never spoke to her about it. But the reading specialist had spoken to her about it. She switched over to my method. And she said to me, at the end of the next year, it's the first year that I don't have non-readers. She's teaching for over 20 years. She said to me, it's the first year I don't have non-readers. She just thought, yeah, of course, kindergarten, there's some non-readers. Kids, it's true that physiologically, their brains are not yet as developed. And it's true that when they're older, they pick it up faster. So she said, okay, they have to learn how to read when they get older. And she switched over this method. I mean, it's amazing to her me this to MS or something else. Like, oh, you're knocking me. And then switching over to this method is kind of amazing. But she, it was, she said, it's amazing. It's the first year I have no non-readers. So, yeah. So, this method is for everyone. So, yeah. Excellent. Even the strong kids. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that is very impressive. By the end of kindergarten, getting everyone to read. And they basically have the tools for life to be able to, uh, to learn. Which is right. <laughs> it's impressive. amazing. Okay, Shmuel, a question for you. Um, you 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 you're obviously involved in getting this out to to the schools and and marketing it and uh, and and selling it and and getting schools on board. What's involved in getting a school to take on your program and and to and to introduce it to their teachers? Who some of them have been teaching the, their methods for many years, and they, they might be set in their ways. So how do you get? How do you convince a school? to consider your, 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 your system, your curriculum, and to also get their teachers to go along with it. That it shouldn't be like a struggle and a fight and, 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 and dragging their feet to, to, to bring them to the table. So, I mean, there's, I don't really have an answer to that because our growth has been primarily organic. Um, so we actually haven't gone out and, and marketed in that sense. The marketing that I do is, um, for example, having a website which is out there and people find us online. Um, we have basically the way we get our, our the schools right now, new customers comes in one of two ways. They're either referrals or they find us online. I'm actually very surprised how people find us online uh, across the spectrum of uh, orthodoxy. Um, and uh, it's not what I was expecting. I put up a website because because you just put up a website. It's just something that you do, you know? Um, and I'm also involved in technology. I just gravitate to doing that type of stuff. But I wasn't expecting that we'd get so many customers from it. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, it partially has to do with the fact that there isn't really that many uh, people which do Korea that have anything available online. So um, it's not like we're competing with, uh, you know, hundreds of other 
Amazon sellers selling the same thing. We're not in that space. So there isn't a lot online. If people look online, they find us. So that's as far as getting people. So those are the two ways we get people. Uh, I have found from a few phone calls that I made, I you know have tried to reach out to schools. I haven't done it much. It's not easy to call up a school and say, oh, uh, we have a career curriculum. Uh, you know, maybe we could talk to you. Um, one school I spoke to and they're like, so they asked me like one question about our method and their method they're currently using is different. They asked me one question. I said, how do you do this? We do it like that. Oh, we do it like that. Goodbye. Like, there's like not even like a discussion of like, okay, so let me hear what you have to say. Why do you like that? And what's your success? It's very, it's a very difficult market to break into um, in that sense, because um, Korea, especially in kindergarten or whichever is the first grade that a school teaches Korea, they, the teacher who teaches Korea, the Rebbe, who's a primary Rebbe, whoever it might be, this is really his life, teaching Korea. Um, this is what he does, because that's the main function of a Rebbe or teacher in that grade level. So they're very, whoever they do it, they aren't really given so much to changing or interested in. It's, it's in fact, there are many, many Kriyas farm available in the first level of Korea, whatever that is. And that's partially why we have a system is because Tovu is teaching Korea and she wanted to perfect it. She had a good system. And actually our system is based on an existing system that predates us, actually goes all the way back to Harsinai. But the point is that she needed to perfect it. Because when you teach creatives, you do. So it's it's actually, it's it's a very difficult market to break into. Shmuel, I, I want to just add to what you said about this, the Kriya being the Rebbe or Mora's life. I like to give the muscle of like, I feel like the, the Kriya is the teacher's baby. And you know, when someone has a baby who's deformed, who's disabled, I mean, I got a son who's got his special needs. He's my baby. I will fight for him. I'll do whatever I can for him. I feel like teachers, their Korea, it's their life. They will fight for a system that doesn't work. I've seen that time and time again with friends of mine who I, I know the system. Like I, I, it's some systems like are just so there are some amazing, amazing programs out there. And some of them really could use some help. And I'm like, I've seen them and you like even without any Korea experience, you could open up the book and you're like, this just doesn't make sense. But it's their baby, and they will fight for their baby because it's their baby. So, yeah, I'm with you, Shmuel. I and mean, it's their life. This is their life. Right. This is what they do. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and what you, you were saying before, and maybe you just elaborate a little, bit, a, a little bit on this, that, like you said, systems are only a small part of the puzzle. There are a lot of good systems out there, and, and a lot of them do really accomplish great things. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the person who's teaching the child and the effort that they put in. So if you could just elaborate on that, like something, things that you've seen, um, a difference, how, how the, the effort that's put in makes such a difference in the, in the results that come out? Absolutely. So this, the Korea is, there's three components to, uh, to uh, the, any, well, I could say to our program, but I assume this would go with any program that's being used. So there are three important steps, three important components for a Korea program to be successful. A, is the teacher. So that's A, that's number one. So you can have the best program out there, the best methodology, but if you have a teacher that is just doesn't, is not excited about it, I mean, Korea is, can be very boring if you don't have the right kind of teacher who engages the kids, keeps them, you know, makes, brings the Korea to life, doesn't follow through everything properly. So number one is, is the teacher. The teacher's job, I would say, is to make sure everything's done properly, to bring in her passion into the Korea, and also to build the kid's confidence in the Korea. Because I find a lot of kids that I work with is that they don't believe in themselves in their Korea. And when I just like pump them up, it's like so interesting because I can work with a Korea that everything is so bad, but I find something that's good, that's honestly good about them. Uh, like you're really good with your shvas, or you're really good with your comments your patah, whatever it is. I find that like that makes the world a difference. It gives them like that push to go on. Like I assess so many kids and like, it's like, I can't do this. And like, as soon as I pump them up on the beginning of the test, they're like, whoa, like you can just see them like their shoulders getting stiffer and it's amazing. So number one is a teacher who A, builds confidence and B, brings her excitement, enthusiasm into it. B would be the safer and three would be the methodology. So following the safer, the way it's intended to be used. So I feel like those are the three core components of a, su a successful reading program. Right. And, and teacher, when you say teacher, it's really 
a mostly effort. It's not so much skills. It's it's the effort and the and the and their desire for the for the child to succeed. Is that what you mean by teacher as the first part? Well, it's also a lot of skill. It's skill to pump up those kids. <laughs> you got to know what makes them tick. You got to know like what makes them, what brings that light into their eyes. Like their skill. Being able to read the kids, to read, yeah. to read what's going on inside of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have a very dear friend who used my career program, followed it meticulously, but her kids couldn't read. She was very blah. And she could not, she couldn't keep the kids' attention. So she followed it. She, I can tell you, she followed it in manas, like, perfectly. But is she the most wonderful person, the most amazing mother? But, like, let me tell you, those kids weren't reading because she didn't have any passion or excitement or enthusiasm that came along with Korea. To keep those kids' attention when they're reading, reading I mean, they got to be, got to have that positive energy. So, yeah, it is, there's definitely skill involved as well. Yeah, but as far as the skill is concerned, can you elaborate on, the, there's definitely, in addition to... Uh, the energy and the care and the time, but there's simply the understanding of what's needed um, from from terms of uh, you know proper assessing what to look for, all the types of what you've seen from schools that with the proper coaching of of where you had teachers which were interested and did want to put an effort, but they simply didn't, I guess, know what to do, and uh, there's a certain amount of you know experience that's needed, like from that perspective, what you've seen. Yeah. So I can give an example of a school that was using my program, um, wasn't used and they were trying, the teacher had the best of intentions, but when I observed, this is just like a small thing, but when I observed, I noticed that maybe like three out of 15, maybe 18 kids, at least 18 kids, three out of, let's say 18 kids in the class, 18 or more were actually pointing and following along. So it's very nice to introduce it the right way. It's very nice that you're excited and you bring in your creativity and your passion into it. But if you aren't making sure that all your students are actually reading when they're supposed to be reading, they're not going to pick it up. And your test results are going to reflect that. So the teacher's skill is, is – a, a teacher needs skill in order to – Just to, to be in tune, to be in touch of what's going on. You know, it's like exactly. They're basically re- having a good read as, and, and not, letting, not, not letting themselves fool – be fooled by, uh, by by laziness or incompetence or just like just exactly. Like, okay, so Shmuel, I have a question for you. Uh, what what if any role does technology have in terms of teaching this system and in terms of its further development? Like, what does technology have a role in teaching Korea, and what is its role in your program specifically? All right, so it certainly could have a role. Um, and in fact, with our system, it does have a role. Uh, that's a role which is in progress and growing. Um, we first uh, dabbled in technology, um, I'd say about seven or so years ago, maybe eight years ago, um, when I created a spreadsheet which uh, would grade, which would give grades and red flag students on specific skills for the assessment. So um, Toma created amazing assessments, um, which have become more and more amazing over the years of refining and perfecting and working with multiple schools and getting results and getting feedback. Um, but the thing about the assessments is that it, while it gives you a good feel, it can't actually do the grading for you. So if you are a, uh, you know, if you know exactly what to expect, uh, your seasoned teacher, then looking at those assessments are very valuable alone, even just assessments, because you're actually seeing where the mistakes are being made. Um, you can know what to expect for fluency, how long it takes the student to read, but there's still, you know, a, a, a still limitation over the air, and but especially for teachers or other type of educators um, which don't necessarily have that level of experience to be able to look at it and really understand the um, you know, what this means. So we have over these things marked off, what exactly does it mean? Um, and an additional thing that's missing from the paper assessments is the ability to look at the class as a whole or look at a student you know, across multiple tasks or across a year um, and, and see, and then be able to also track progress and stuff like that. So that's something which, as good as assessments are, that was a component that was missing. So that was where it started. Um, eventually, we 
made tremendous improvements. I actually rewrote the whole application from scratch because my original vision was limited. Um, and my understanding of building so software. So it's an Android app? Uh, no, no. It's a web-based application. Um, we call it an app. It's not an app in that sense. It's, it's really a confusing. software program. It's a software, right. It's a, it's a web-based software program. It could be used on any device. It's fully responsive. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one day will be more app-like um, when we get there. Right. Um, but it's um, it's currently a tool for teachers. So it's only to mark and assess. It's very clear. But, but that, no, that's where it started from. That was a starting point. Um, so we started with an application for marking, uh, the, for you taking these assessments and giving them a life. So now you could see clearly a well, red flag. So we put in the criteria of what we're expecting for a student at that age to know. So you choose your grade level or it's not really your grade level, but your, your career level. level, right? Your career level. And then we automatically have benchmarks based on our experience of what to expect. Mm-hmm. So in fact, at this point, to properly assess students, you have to do nothing about Korea other than knowing how to read. So mm-hmm. if you know how to read, so then what you do is you take this paper, you don't have to understand the 10, 12, 13 years of experience that goes into why we chose these words specifically. Um, it's not relevant. That That's already been done for you. And you just take this test and then you give the student their version, you have your version, you mark in the mistakes, you go into the application, you put in the mistakes and automatically grade you on both accuracy and fluency on both on uh, down to the skill level and give you a view of the whole class with all the metrics that you'd like to see. You could look at a student and see all their tests across the whole year, or you could look at all the students um, on a per test level um, and it will let you know accuracy and fluency in every single skill um, you know, where they're deficient, who are the top performers, who are the underperformers. And um, it's a tremendous tool. Some of that was a little more complex than it it, it, it might seem. Um, I just know because we went through iterations of making this work um, on a technical level. But the fact is that it works and it's an amazing tool. Um, and as time went by, we added more grade levels and we're continuously adding more grade levels um, to this um you know, to, to the assessments and and the metrics for different levels, both on grading and assessing. So that's that was the core of where we started with. Um, since then, it grew. One thing which has been extremely significant is all the materials that we offer, the downloadable materials. That's something that's sold through the app. So the reason why those are, those are those are those are teacher aids, right? Those are teacher aids, right? Now yeah. the reason why. The reason why that is um, a, a technology thing, even though that's something that they're, you know, is because there's we have so much material that it's simply not practical without a proper way of a, a content management system to be able to distribute and for teachers to find what they need. Right now, we have hundreds of files um, that across... Across. Ah, I see. So, so basically, you're saying that when it, when a child's at a certain level, that they're going to be suggested. Okay, now you need this material. Well, no, it's not. It's, right now, we don't have it that sophisticated. But let's say you're a teacher and you want to find uh, whatever type of material. Let's say, for example, you want to find uh, homework for where you are when you have hot, when you have tens of files all over your computer. It's like there's so many different options, and then right. we have we have we have for every single file we have the hebrew versions and the english versions the hebrew versions i mean to say like where the titles and instructions are in hebrew with all hebrew versions the english versions um and then we have uh we have we have multiple levels we have homework it could go up to seven eight levels then we have the workbooks different types of work with different styles of workbooks uh, we have uh you know activities which you could have an activity with four different levels for every single nakuda it literally gets completely out of control. In fact, we ourselves couldn't manage this without a proper system. So right now what happens is that when you want to find something, so let's say, for example, you're a teacher and you want to find materials related to Shva, right? So you just go into you just go into our program and you type in Shva. In fact, you could type in Shva however you like, in Hebrew and English, and you can spell it right, and you can spell it wrong. 
if you have a wrong spelling that we haven't yet accounted for, then that would be interesting to know. But pretty much we have a way of allowing the user to search by any spelling. So they'll type in Shva and it'll show them whatever's relevant to Shva. So they'll find the Shva workbooks, they'll find the Shva homework, they'll find the Shva activities. Mm -hmm. um, and if you want to find scripts. So right now with the amount of materials we have, it's so expansive. Just, just organizes it. Just organize it, search, right. To search, to find, right. So therefore the application is critical for this. Um, right, we, the way we, we sell our, all this, all, all our materials is part of just the application description. So you have access to everything. Every, so whatever we have to offer and we continuously add. And as we add more and more materials, we can, we are constantly refining the way the application works to make it easier to find. Because initially when we started, we had, let's say, you know, we had, let's say 10 files and now we're up to, I don't know, let's say 350 files. So we need a different type of system um, to find things. So we continuously improving it. So that's the resources, the tremendous amount of resources, very easy to find. You just, just go and search. And even if you're on the wrong level, we'll automatically tell you, well, this level, we don't have it. And the other level, we do have it. So that's the resources. The resources is actually the most used part of our application. Mm -hmm. um, although we have a lot of schools using the assessments, we have actually more people using the resources. Resources is the number one thing which is used. That's far as the resources is concerned. But this is still, we're talking about it being used by teachers, right? This is not interactive yet. Um, we have another feature that we rolled out last year which it creates, you could create exercises for the students um, to, with their names in it. So you could take the class list and then we have a whole bunch of exercises and that's available in two different levels. We have ones which are meant to teach the, you know, using the classic style of the lettering, which is, it's not really, it's not meant to teach the kids how to write, it's to enable them to learn how to identify the letters and then we have another one for script, um, but that's also something the teacher will come in, put in the names, and and download it and give it to the students to use. Mm -hmm. um, it, last year we moved more into the interactive, and this is really where where there's a lot of potential for technology to use. So until now, the technology is a tool for teachers to use in various different ways to enable them to do, but it's not directly related to the student. It's not an interactive component in which a student could interact with it and mm -hmm. enable that right. So we started last year, um, the, like around Pesach time during during COVID, um, and or when COVID started, and we we started doing digital flashcards, um, and this is already starting to get into the space in which the students are are actually seeing the screen, and they're not actually pressing any buttons, but they are seeing the screens. And um, we're using this technology now to, in order to teach Kriya. So now, the, just to, to give a little idea of how technology plays a role over here, we actually have physical flashcards, and we also have something called flipbooks. Flipbooks are specifically made to teach blended endings. That was mentioned before. Um, when we originally created these um, and manufactured them, Tova had a wish list of, I don't know what, 10 times more than what we did because, you know, you want all the types of Nakudas and different, uh, you know, different different permutations of the flashcards. It was completely impractical to start printing, you know, uh, every single type. So, therefore, all we were left with is just, just letters with no Nakudas. Mm -hmm. um, and, the and then at the flipbooks, we're left with, we printed flipbooks was a limited amount. When we talk about technology, you could build things that are dynamic. This is a great question for both of you. <laughs> Do you eventually see that this becomes a system that's able to teach Kriya on its own to students where they could like go into a corner of a classroom, sit in front of a computer with headphones and learn Kriya? That's I my dream. That, uh, yeah, I think that Tova <laughs> and myself are going to have two different answers. Okay. Um, Right, so Tova's, yeah, so the, that's what she'd like to do. I, I think that there might be some technical challenges. I haven't ironed out. By me, um, for the most part, I would say yes. Um, the one thing that I'm not sure of that that is technically possible currently, uh, I don't know if it is or it's not, I'm saying it's not, but I think something has to be figured out, 
is the voice recognition um, for Hebrew. Mm -hmm. So in order for this to work, a hundred percent that a you student need, can do this on their the own. The computer has to be able to recognize the feedback from the child. Right. So, right. So if, the, if let's say just take, for example, they're reading flashcards. You want to know, did you read it right or did you read it wrong? When have a human there, so then obviously they could choose, did you read it right or wrong? If we want the student to be able to get them a test and say, read these 10 words, then, and we want the computer to be able to understand them. Right. So that needs voice recognition and it has to be accurate enough. Right. Right. And now, I don't know if you've ever seen voice recognition. Well, we know Alexa. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So if you've seen like, you know, it's yeah. like, hey, so, you know, they it, it transcribes your voicemail. Sometimes you could understand the gist of it and sometimes you can't. It doesn't matter. But over here, it matters because we have to know very clearly. Uh, OK, yeah. So, uh, so so I understand. So, so if is that your only limitation? I mean, Tova said that she wants to do this. Just this is something that she's looking forward to. My dream. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's one limitation. The, that's that's that that would be a technical limitation and it's a technical, technical limitation and then also you don't really need a teacher you just need like a, a babysitter kind of thing like it's, it's a much lower skill that's needed right. to just type in yes right. no you know it's, it's right so beyond that would be just a matter of 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 time and money a so, lot of time and a lot of money right okay. so um, I think the skills, the skills we have to do it. Uh, Baruch Hashem, we've gotten very far. Right. I think we have the vision, we have the ideas. I, I, um, I mean, it, it, speak, speaking as a parent of children, and I know many, many other parents, uh, they would love to have something that could supplement even what's going on in school for the, for the kids at home to get on a computer, obviously filtered and done in it properly the way the, the schools and, and the way all parents should should be uh, ha, ha, with children on technology. But really, like, Having a system that, that because that's the language of kids today. A lot of kids today are just very comfortable with technology. And it, it, as a parent, I feel that the kids really might even take to the Kriya easier from uh, from a, a system or a computer or a game or some sort of of, of technology aspect to it than uh, you know than, than just being taught in a, in, a, in a traditional classroom. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot that we could do and a lot we'd like to do. We are moving along. The pace in which we're moving along could definitely be quickened um, with the resources. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, 100%, and we are moving in that direction. The idea of the flashcards was was to move in that direction. And it's just a matter of how right. quickly we could. Okay, yeah, so Tova, what, what, did, what, did, what, you, what did you want to add in? You, you had something to say. Well, first of all, I want to say is that every single person who I know, I don't know the whole world, but I know might a lot of people, has somebody in their family who struggled or struggling with Kriya. So Kriya is a universal problem. Um, and I feel like it's not only limited to kids who are struggling with Kriya, it's also this could touch on all sectors of people of uh, all sectors of Judaism, I feel like Kriya is something that's like, everybody wants to learn how to read. Well, I don't know if everyone wants to learn how to read, but I know of so many people that are not even affiliated who are dying to learn how to read Hebrew. I know a lot of people who are older and who are Bali Chuva who are uncomfortable and embarrassed to learn Hebrew. I taught about, I taught like a group of Bali Chuva how to read Hebrew and like the, there's so many people who've mentioned me how much they want to learn how to read Hebrew. I, I know like, a, a wide range of people, like a wide range of people. And also this is something that some, so, since so many people are embarrassed that they don't know how to read Hebrew, this could be something that's like privately, they could just do it. You log on. No one besides for the person who's paying for this knows that you're doing this. And I don't want to only target teaching kids how to read Hebrew. In my ideal wish list is basically I want to take all the skills that I have and I work with like a different diverse kind of skill set is let's say somebody wants to just become more fluent or somebody just does never really learned the Shabbat rules. Or just whatever, wherever you want need to pick, need to pick up in Korea is where you continue. So it's not just learning how to read Hebrew. I see this being something that would is a need for a wide range of people and a wide range of skills. So it could be just fluency. It could just be like I said, just like specific skills. So, and it's interesting because like for three years I taught at JFX, a Kiev school, for grades K through six. Was fascinating. I took a poll one week from one through six. This is when Shmuel and I, in the beginning, were dabbling with our app. So we're going back a long time ago. And I said to them, and at that point, I didn't know what it entailed to make an app like this. And I said to them, and I asked every one of my students, grades one through six, if you had an app that you could just log on and spend 15 minutes a night on Creo, would you do it? And they, every single one said yes, every single day. And we're talking about older kids. And they were like, yes, we want to learn Hebrew. Like, 
So I just feel like this is something that would be, there's so many, you know, we're talking, there's Aish, there's like so many organizations, so many people could really benefit from it. It's my dream. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what's, uh, let, let's, uh, let, now we have an audience. Hopefully people are listening and uh, this could get out. What do you need from people, from anybody? How could someone help? What, what, what is holding you back from developing the system that would, you know, that would be able to accomplish that goal? Okay, so besides for Shmuel figuring out the voice recognition piece, which I'm not technology, I don't know technology, but I'm sure that in Israel, where they speak Hebrew, things work for them there. Like, yeah, so no, I'm we sure speak that, English here, and it doesn't work for us. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he's don't, right. Don't, yeah. <laughs> it's a little fuzzy, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, but the truth is that that if we could if we could get halfway there, then then that would be good enough. Right. So with voice recognition and with money, we I could with my vision and with my experience, I feel confident to say that I could take somebody who's a non-reader and that is Hashem, get them from non-reading to being accurate, confident, fluent. I basically like I've gone through every like I would basically take myself as a tutor, my experience, and add gaming component, add analytics, add everything my wish list, which I know exists. And do that. So with like voice recognition and money, we get 100% there. But without voice recognition, I have so many things and tools, educational tools that we could use to help the CREA, which we'll still be missing that component, but would be crucial and super incredibly helpful to teach CREA. I mean, like I've done primitively using Smartboard, creating games that were like so beneficial, like incredibly. And if we could turn those stuff into apps, so no, it does not have voice recognition, but we could get so far. So even if we can't get the point Z, but we could get like pretty far, it would be super helpful. Mm-hmm. So at this point, would be money and money right. and more money. You ask me right. what's, what's holding us back. Right. Right. It, and it's also, it's also time, but if um, there's no question that, um, you know, if if there was more money to throw at this, then um, then it would move quicker. We, okay. we're, this we're is a monumental. It. It's a monumental project, right? Obviously, right. a big a big a, a, a cost of development. But uh, there's been a, probably more complex programs have been built uh, and are being built constantly throughout as we speak. So uh, it's definitely doable, right? From that, from that. Right. Yeah, and I'm sure we partners there are people out there who want to help people learn how to read or they themselves don't know how to read and it's their secret. You know, when I was at the Tomer Store Convention one year, there was somebody there who was, um, he was there for like about a half hour and he realized this is not his clientele. He was not ultra orthodox and it was, he realized that he wasn't going to sell to people, but he had like a lot of things based on Tanakh, but they weren't. Mm-hmm. weren't serving the ultra-Orthodox uh, community. And I had a cover. He came to my career booth and he was mesmerized. And he said, you know, that my boss who owns my company would pay a million dollars to teach someone how to read. Mm-hmm. He said he does not. And he said, like, he has an insane amount of money. And he said he would love to partner with me. But I, and money was not an objection, but I didn't want somebody who was going to tell me how to do mm-hmm. things in a way which wasn't according to Misora. Mm-hmm. So there were too many strings attached. But you're somebody like, but I feel like I am flexible and there's a lot of things I'm willing to give on, but Misora is Misora, but there are certain things I'm just not going to do because they're just not right. But I'm sure there's so many other people out there who either don't know how to read or it took them so long how to read or want to help people how to read. I feel like reading is such a basic, basic thing. It's interesting. My mother just told me two weeks ago about this yeshiva that she knows about that has all different kinds of kids, modern orthodox with yarmulkes without yarmulkes from all diverse kinds of families and the only thing that all these boys have in common is they don't know how to read <laughs> and as they all end up there on drugs i mean like we're talking about like kids really struggling and like every one of these kids the only thing they all have in common is they don't know how to read i feel like i don't know reading just affects us all and i'm sure there's some good jews out there who want to help us all yes and 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 it's, it, besides the fact there's there's two aspects to it one aspect of, of this helping a, helping a noble cause, a worthy cause, teaching kids how to read, but there's also a tremendous educational opportunity here. And, uh, and it's something that could become a cornerstone of teaching children in every, in every single school. Think about the tens of thousands of Jewish children across the world who would be able to learn how to read properly. The difference that it would make in our, in our educational system, but also financially also this is a huge opportunity here and that's something that that people should i you know want to reach out to anyone who's interested in a good investment opportunity anybody in the software space who's familiar with software development who has the resources to be able to 
to to to to help in any way for this for this project could interact with Shmuel on this on this project is something that is a tremendous opportunity and and encourage them to reach out. This is uh, this yeah. Is I mean, that's... it's also it's not just about Korea. Um, I believe that uh, this is uh, moving the direction of using technology to enable you know people in our community to. To, to take advantage of technology to help them teach. It's Korea is where we currently are. Um, a lot of what we're doing is not specific, doesn't have to be specific to Korea and could be used in other subjects too. Uh, we just haven't yet exhausted Korea, which is why we haven't really branched out. But there's no question that this is the beginning of a journey. Um, and and Bez Hashem, we will get there. It's really a matter of pace. And the goal over here is really to turn up, you know, the, the you know, the gas on, on that pace. Uh, today's electric, so I don't know what they're going to yeah. use. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but anyways, for those my age. Um, yeah. um, so it, to, to really quicken the pace over here of, of moving this along. So we've Hashem, got very far and there's just a lot more, a lot more that could be done. A lot more people that could be reached. Um, and uh, a lot more tools which we could give, you know, teachers and educators and parents and people who want to, you know, want to teach themselves. Shmuel, I want to just go back for a minute to what you were saying about our app being a web-based application for teachers to both access materials, right? right. And also the grading reporting. Um, I do want to point out also, there are schools that use our, our downloadable materials using different apps that turn our materials into interactive components. So even though our, at this point, our, our materials are not interactive, I spoke to a number of schools, and especially last year when we shifted to remote learning, they were using the, these apps on the iPad, um, one app specifically called Seesaw, which I'm not advertising for, but I just know that a number of schools mentioned to me that they used that, and it was so beautiful when they switched to Zoom, they, they were still able to be interactive with our materials, even remotely, Mm-hmm. So even though our app, our materials right now are all exclusively downloadable, but it can be used with other sure. programs, which turn PDFs into interactive components. Right. So I wanted to point that out also. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but but yeah, but but what Shmuel is saying, in, in in the sense of having a one, a one central centralized system that that could do everything. Oh, our dream. That's yeah. That, that that's where that's where the, the goal would be, and it's something that could ca- really grow and and spread and 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 like I said, become like almost like the standard of t- teaching teaching Korea properly. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna we're gonna share your your contact information with anybody who wants to reach out, whether they're a teacher who wants to learn more about your system. Or anybody who who looks at this as a as a worthy endeavor, and it's definitely a worthy endeavor, to uh, to 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 help support, to help to to help it just you know to help it get there, to to, to so that it can achieve the goal of 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 becoming what it what it can be, what, it, what, what, what the accomplishments that it could have. I, I really encourage them to reach out to, to, to you, you two, you, you brother and sisters are wonderful. It, it's a, it's a very 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 worth worthwhile endeavor to support, and uh, you should continue doing what you're doing. There's a lot of things that we didn't cover. <laughs> we could probably have another conversation. We probably should. But right now, this is, uh, this is something that I just want to stress. Uh, Kriya is the first step of the whole educational process for a child. And getting it right is so critical and making sure that it's, that it's done properly. And this is, this is what you, you're working on. You're, you're attacking that problem head on. Yeah, um, Parnas, can I share a story that really, really influenced my career? Like my home life, like really inspired me to make sure every kid reads. Sure. So years ago, I read a story, either in the Yatad or Hamadiya, like I don't remember which one, but it made such an impression on me. Um, so I read the story about this person who came to his friend's wedding and he was told by his friend that he was going to be getting a certain bracha under the chuppah. And he comes to the wedding and sure enough, I don't know what bracha was. Let's say it was a third bracha. And he comes and the third bracha was given to someone else. And he dashed out of the hall like a madman and he went home and he called his friend later on that night. And he said, I'm going to share with you a secret of my life. No one in the world knows this. I can't read. But when you told me to dance, I was getting this bracha. I sat and I memorized it and memorized it. And I had this fear that you were going to give me a different bracha instead. And I, 
I, he said to me, I was willing to jeopardize our friendship that I shouldn't embarrass myself in front of everyone. And, you know, don't think that I care about Kibuden, but I just, I couldn't let everyone know that I can't read. I know wow. when I read that story, it just, it made me so, so, so sad because I was thinking how many hundreds and hundreds of other people out there have this secret that they're harboring when they don't have to. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to learn how to read the right the first time. And if not to make it up, to learn how to read when you're older. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know, I just like to share that with you because that's really what inspired me. So when I still, so when I started teaching years later and I was like, everyone, my kids are going to be reading. I don't know what it takes. It's going to take. And I did research at that point. Now there's so many more programs out there. And I was like, everyone, my kids in my weakest students learn how to read. Cause I'm not having any of my students having to go through something like that again. So, I mean, this is something that I just, it really, really inspired me to make sure everyone of my students learn how to read, master it. Wow. Yeah. It's really powerful. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we covered a lot of ground. Um, just think, like I said, I want to encourage everybody to reach out. We'll share your contact information. Very, very, uh, very, very worthwhile endeavor. And keep, uh, keep up the good work. It's great talking to both of you. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. We appreciate the time and the effort that went Yes. And I, I also want to mention that Mrs. Yocheved Belsky introduced us from the director of Clear Group. She's very familiar with, with, with your system and she recommends it. And I, I, th- I thank her for introducing to us and, and hopefully we'll continue this conversation. Okay, thank you, partners. We really, really appreciate it. You've been listening to Chinuch 2.0, a show exploring the changes happening to how we do Chinuch. Chinuch 2.0 is hosted and produced by me, Aaron Parnas. Special thanks to David Lichtenstein of Headlines who inspires the show. You can subscribe to the show on Apple or Google Podcasts or on our website, chinuchshow.com. For suggestions, comments, or guests' ideas, please visit chinuchshow.com. Thanks for listening.